welcome to a slightly less COVID-filled episode of Saying the Tone, an ER retrospective. Sure, we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Ahoy hoy. And Daniel. Hey! Today we'll be discussing Season 7, Episode 20, which is titled Fear of Commitment. The episode aired on May 3rd, 2001. Lauren, what was going on that week 21 years ago? Not much, really, but I guess little me was excited for my ninth birthday in a couple weeks. Cool. I might as well say it now because we never actually make it to my birthday on any of these seasons. It always stops the week before. And I always forget to put it on the the summer recap. Notes. How dare you? Um, <laughs> Driven, a racing drama starring Sylvester Stallone and Burt Reynolds, debuts and takes the number one spot at the box office. I don't remember ever hearing about this movie, but okay. Not, not in my life. All for You by Janet Jackson is still the number one song. Daniel, That's, what else was on? That feels like Driven. That just feels like such a like made up movie title or made up made up movie concept in like a you know it's it's like a meta joke in a movie like is i just can't sequel, even imagine. is that the sequel to uh drive with uh what's his nuts uh it's actually uh, a prequel ah shit what's that guy ryan gosling that's his name ryan gosling yeah i almost said ryan reynolds but that would not be a very different movie uh what else was on that evening at 8 p.m friends with the episode the one with the vows uh at 8 30 a friend's rerun at 9 p.m will and grace with the episode alice doesn't lisp here anymore mm-hmm. gotta love the early aughts uh, at 9.30, just shoot me with the episode Maya Stops Thinking. This week's episode had 21.8 million viewers tuning in, directed by our very own Anthony Edwards. Uh, does not appear in the episode, but he uh, did have a hand in its production. Uh, closing out his fourth out of four episodes that he directed, uh, of course, previous ones of his we have talked about before include Family Matters, Of Past Regret and Future Fear, and Take These Broken Wings. And written by R. Scott Gemmel doing his 8th out of 32. And previous ones of his from this season include Witch Hunt, Surrender, Peace of Mind, and Mars Attacks. And where there is no green, there is also no Corday this week. Uh, perhaps foreshadowing that uh, you can't they can't think of much of anything to do with her when he's not around. Ugh. Well, they're on, or they're on their honeymoon. Yeah, they're on their honeymoon. I know. I was, I was trying here. to make a joke at the expense of the writers, obviously. I know, there. and you failed. All right. <laughs> Previously on This Week is brought to us by Abby. I still uh, got COVID brain. I'm still, even though I just, but, have, just had my first negative test today. And I just got my second negative test. We're on the men, fam. Uh, it still sucks. Uh, but yeah, previous on was brought to us by Abby, and we opened the episode with Benton going in to visit Carl Ferris at the home. Man, who... Uh, if, as a reminder, that is his uh, science teacher from last episode. Mm-hmm. And a gentleman is yelling about an ambulance not being here, and Mr. Ferris is having a presumed heart attack, and the two horny old guys are <laughs> are here. What a bizarre, like, out of nowhere, Love like, it. return. Benton was like, I thought you were a nurse, and the nurse, and the nurse, in air quotes, just, I just take blood pressures, which, I mean, to Fair. Me, if it's... Depending on the level of assisted living facility it is, then mm. it could be as simple as that. Uh, Benton's giving orders to the EMTs, but has to stay with them the whole way if they're going to comply. Uh, Mr. Ferris has fluid in his lungs. They suspect he has congestive heart failure. And they get into a crash when they're near the hospital, but under the L. Uh, motorcyclist darted out in front of them, so they're going to take the motorcyclist with them. And of note, Benton slams his... His hand and wrist into oh, during the crash. I didn't catch that. Mm. Good yep. job. 
and we are in with some bangs. And then we go over to Abby visiting the psych ward to check on Maggie because season seven continues to punch me in the dick. Uh, Maggie's roommate is complaining about washing her hair too much. Her roommate's name is Winona. And Abby tells Maggie that she's going to be kept on a 90-day hold. And Maggie apologizes for what happened and what she's put Abby through. Very sincere conversation here. Maybe. Uh, then we see Benton running the trauma on the motorcyclist with Carter, and it fits here better than anywhere else in the episode. I feel weird prompting myself, but whose films are those? Oh, uh, boy. Sometimes you just got to do it yourself, you know? Yeah, you got to take them where you can get them. Uh, we then go over and see Luca working on Mr. Ferris, and uh, Benton gives him an update on his status uh, from the way over. Malucci is working with Carter on the motorcyclist, and uh, Benton does the chest tube, but he's struggling to get it in right because uh, he did an ouchie on his hand. Uh, <laughs> does, isn't this the, isn't this the second time? Because I feel like uh, this come, of course, this does come up in a few scenes, but like, isn't this the second time that we've had a Benton, Benton ouchied his hand and now has to operate with the other hand? So. I feel like yes, but again, I've misremembered episodes we haven't covered yet, I, so I can't be trusted. I think it was either season two or season three, and it was when he punched the guy in the parking garage that had the, uh, what do you call it, prosthetics, the the prosthetic limb salesman you'd that took remember, his parking spot. You'd remember better than I. I think, I think, me thinks we've been here before. Um but in any event, uh, we then see Kim asking Abby why she isn't at the courthouse because Maggie has contested her hold. Oh, no. Uh, the uh, hearing is scheduled for 1115 that morning at the county courthouse. And Abby had no clue until just now uh, that uh, she was supposed to be there to testify. So more to come on that. Uh, we go back to Luca, who tells Benton that uh, Carl is fifth in line to be admitted, uh, not suffering any chest pain at the moment. And Benton checks in with uh, Mr. Ferris to promise him that he'll get him a bed as soon as he is done up in the OR. We go back to uh, Abby's complaint to Luca about Maggie not apolog- about Maggie apologizing to her face, while well, basically boldface lying to her, um, or at least omitting. Is it lie by omission? I guess. Yeah, lie, lie by omission feels fair in this yeah. case. In this case, yeah, uh, she's not sure if she's going to testify at the hearing. Luca offers to go with her, and when Abby declines, Luca gets petty as fuck. And says, oh, you'd rather Carter go with you? Luca. We're, we're, we're firmly in that timeline, fam. Like, Luca, we have. It's not a good look on you. We have entered the Carter Carter good, Luca bad timeline, so we must make uh, it abundantly clear whenever possible that one of these two people is the correct choice. But then we go over to Malucci owes $50 for Mark and Lizzie's baby gifts, apparently. Um, okay, neat. He's a cheapskate. He, he, she's. The nurses are like, well, you know, the nurses put in 20, doctors are supposed to put in 50. You're a doctor, even though you don't act like one. <laughs> um, I still don't hate Malucci this episode, just throwing that out there. He's had one or two problematic things this run, but I still don't hate him yet. Um, okay, never mind, I take it back, because right here he asks Jing Mei for help with a woman with a bowel obstruction because the woman has threatened to mace him, and she's like, no. And he makes a PMS joke, and I love how Chen goes off on him. Uh, can we make this the clip of the episode, Daniel? Is Chen just chewing him the fuck out? I believe I already made something else the clip of the That's episode, okay. but this is what happens when I do it before we start recording. That's okay. It's good that you're prepared. Better than me. But, um, yeah, just go Chen for being like, no, you're a dick. 
absolutely not. You never take any of my patients. Why the fuck would I help you, especially after you made that joke? We go back up to surgery where Benton is being yelled at by Romano. Uh, Benton is stitching with his left hand instead of his right. Mm. And after some poking and prodding <laughs> of his hands by Romano, uh, it's a perfect mechanism for a scaphoid fracture, I believe is what Romano says. Yep. So, tiny, tiny fracture in somewhere in the hand or wrist, wrist area. Wrist area yeah. It was in Either the way, uh, anatomical snuff box, which is one of the few things I remember from anatomy class in college, which is, no, it's actually the little piece between your thumb oh. and your uh, finger, like the little like indentation that happens yeah. when you stretch your fingers out. That's that the tiny egg. little spot. Anatomical snuff box, which they call it that because uh, you could fit uh, chewing tobacco in the little thing and then like stick it in your mouth for dip. So yep. the more you know. Gross. Chewing tobacco. Uh, but Romano kicks him out to avoid liability, just in case something bad happens. Uh, then we learn Carla is also here. That's a name mm. we haven't heard in a bit. <sighs> uh, but Carter is working with a woman with a positive pregnancy test, abdomen pain, and her last period was seven weeks ago. And her name is Nani? Noni? Noni, Noni, Nani, uh, neither one was uh, consistent with what was in the IMDb credits, but I swear that's what I heard, and that's what the subtitle says. That is also what I heard. Uh, And uh, she is played by actress Kimberly McCullough, who is better known as a director, apparently. Uh, She, looking at her IMDb, she has directed episodes of stuff like High School Musical, the series, uh, which is like not something I knew was a thing. Uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, uh, and The Connors. Uh, we then go back to Chen, who's working on a man with a p- with pain around his right eye. Uh, he thinks it's the binary numbers, uh, electronic data. Uh, he like keeps repeating a series of numbers, and I believe it's Carter who cue- mm-hmm. uh, clues in on that it, he is uh, reciting the numbers off of his patient's machine, numbers that he can't see. Um, they do precisely nothing with this patient. <laughs> like they nope. do, they drop this little kernel of like, mm, this could be interesting. Then do precisely dick all with it, and I'm very confused by it. Um, we don't really get much time to even be curious about this because Malucci ends up getting maced by that uh, p- patient from earlier. After all, so uh, funny man fall down basically is the the gist of this whole <laughs> this whole L-O-L-O-L. shtick right here L-O-L-L. like let's not explore the interesting plot thread the like sort of quasi house plot thread we got going on over here no 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 funny man fall down also speaking of house i just have to have a shout out to the person who commented on our facebook page from our april fools joke and said that she wants more of us doing house that made me feel great i know you two will never be on board nah. but it made my day that's your side project if you ever want to tackle it. Oh, I would need at least one other person to do it with me. I'm not just going to sit and recap house by myself. <laughs> whose house are whose house are those? Keep trying. <laughs> we'll keep sure. workshopping it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, we do go in with that patient now. Uh, Carrie asking her uh, if she has been there before. Hmm. And for a moment, mm. I was like, are we going to do another one of these false starts? We found Carrie's mom things. No. No, this is something nah. different. Because, like, the lady does have kind of a similar vocal pattern to uh, to Carrie. And so, like, that's kind of where I thought this was going at first. And then, then I sort of remembered where we were. Uh, but our uh, mystery woman here is played by Betty Ford, not 
not the one you're thinking of, um, a different Betty Ford. Uh, she uh, appeared in stuff like Sudden Impact, Valley of the Sun, and apparently a somewhat memorable guest role on Cheers. So let's go to our first audio clip then. Uh, Abby's at the, at the courthouse with the state's attorney. She's historically non-med compliant? Well, she has phases, but this time she's been off for about um, six months. Yeah. How many serious suicide attempts? Um... This one, this one makes three. Don't, don't you, don't you know this stuff? Just reviewing before we go in. I, I got the case this morning. Hey, uh, Marty. Yeah. You got Wyszynski? What Wyszynski? Wyszynski. Oh sorry. yeah. Drug overdose. Oh, so you're stipulating to an attempted suicide, right? No. But nice try. No intent. I'm sorry. What was your name again? Um, Abby. Did you witness the attempt, Abby? I was with her. She took the pills in a gas station bathroom. Who, who was that? Your mother's public defender. Since they're not willing to stipulate, I'll have you testify to the intention and lethality of the attempt. N nobody called me to testify. That's why you're here, right? You want your mother to stay committed? Well, yes, but, but, but so somebody should have... Okay. You're here now. This is fine. Front row. Oh boy. I love how Abby's like, shouldn't you know all this already? Like, so, I mean, it's an excellent illustration of the realities of the system, though. Mm -hmm. That, like, the system is is overtaxed and, like, there is... You're gonna have, you know, people... Uh, like, very important decisions being made about people's lives by people who are not that invested in the entire outcome. Mm -hmm. so in Absolutely. that sense it's very realistic it also reminds me a lot of some of the montages they do on like better call Saul mm -hmm. oh yeah the, where the two uh the two lawyers are like um trying to negotiate with each other like hey you're gonna go for this right yeah just very very true to form mm -hmm. but um yeah this is this is fine that nothing bad can happen here this, this is gonna be great yes this, this will so not be fun. at all a test of Abby's patience and no no, not general enough. state Where, of being. Wherewithal. Uh, but strap the fuck in, kids, because these upcoming courtroom scenes are, uh, oh, hey, it's that guy, The Ride. Uh, literally <laughs> almost every person that we are going to run into is somebody who is like, oh, yeah, I've seen that guy in something. Uh, starting, of course, with our two uh, lawyers, public defenders, attorneys, whatever we want to call them here, uh, legal men. Esquires. Uh, yeah, Abby's Abby's uh, guy here is actor Thomas Arana, uh, Arena, uh, and he appears in stuff like Gladiator, The New Pope, and The Born Supremacy. He has 120 credits to his name, and uh, in other weeks, that might make him the high water person. Uh, it won't even make him the high water person of this scene, uh, but uh, <laughs> on other weeks, he would have been the guy. Uh, our other Maggie's uh, side of the equation here, Marty, uh, he is played by actor John Grease, who appears in stuff like Men in Black, Real Genius, and the ever so twee and memorable Napoleon Dynamite, where he plays Uncle Rico. Uh, and uh, this guy also has the distinction of being the only actor, only guy, in 331 episodes of ER. This guy right here, Mr. Uh, Nondescript Public Defender, only one that I have ever seen walk past me in the Honolulu airport. <laughs> yep. 
this guy it's a right weird, here. Odd metric, but to yep. judge people by, but you know, this over five thousand actors in this show. Only this one was the only one that ever kind of like casually walked past me with his two thousand and nine iPhone headphones in his ears in the Honolulu airport. Okay, uh, I, that's weird. Um, even weirder. Did you guys know that there was a Napoleon Dynamite animated series? Uh, I was, I'm vaguely aware of that. Yeah, va- that sounds vague. I might also be confusing it with the Clerks animated series because that they both feel equally ill-advised. But like, uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he did. In like 2012, he was in six episodes of it. Also, as Uncle Rico. Yeah. Unfortunate. I also hate. Side note: I also hate that when you said "real genius," my brain went "real men of genius." Yeah, what? the, the fucking Budweiser the commercials from Budweiser. their mid-aughts. <laughs> Which those those persisted. I, I remember those more. They were on TV at one point, but I definitely remember them persisting more as radio ads, like yes. well into when I was in yes. college. I would hear them all the time when I'd be driving to school or yeah, work or whatever. Big, big ESPN radio energy with that one. Uh, but yeah, so I was very excited when I saw this guy come up because that's one of those weird little memories that I like think about from time to time. Like I was on a vacation going to Hawaii with my girlfriend at the time. We were the vacation was over. We were in the airport waiting for our flight back to the back to the uh, rest of the country. And uh, dude, like a flight, you know how like a, a, a arriving flight will use the same gate as your yeah. departing mm-hmm. flight. Yeah, he he was on a plane and got off a plane and like walked. And I was like, I feel like I recognize that guy. Who is he? And like it took me like a minute. And this was 2009. So like I had a cell phone, but like I don't know if I had Internet access mm-hmm. or what. But, like, I somehow figured out that I was like, that's fucking Uncle Rico. Like, goddamn. <laughs> like, so. So then we go over to Carla and Benton. We get a Reese sighting. Yay. The best part. Little baby Reese is around. He's doing little, great. Little toddler Reese at this point. Yeah. But uh, Carla twisted her ankle carrying Reese because she was wearing heels while carrying him. Ah. Um, she needs an operation because of the fracture in her um, in her leg. And we learn that Roger hasn't really been around and they haven't been getting along lately. Okay. Um, And Benton offers to take Reese for a few days, but Carla doesn't think it's a good idea for Reese to stay with that woman that Benton's been seeing. What the fuck is her problem with Cleo? It's not a good environment. She's not the motherly type. Yeah. She's a pediatrician. Right? (laughs) We forget uh, that because she does way more stuff on adults these days, but she's a pedi- right. pediatric doctor. E- even, the, even the writers that wrote this are like, oh, yeah, I guess she is a pediatrician. This doesn't make much sense. Like, this doesn't yeah. work. Uh, yeah. This is also our next to last appearance of Carla. So we all know what's coming soon, don't we? Yeah. Makes me feel real bad that I just was about to say good riddance. Um yeah. I'm just, it does provide for an excellent storyline, though. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but then we go back to court. Uh, Derod is detailing Maggie's treatment on the stand. And Abby then takes the stand, says she wants Maggie committed because she's a suicide risk. And the testimony is interrupted by another psych patient who insists that it is now his turn. Like, l- let's throw this guy on the pile with the binary code guy from earlier of, like, Things that they sort of make you think are going to be more important than they end up being because they really spend a lot of time with looking at and like listening to this guy and then he ends up not mattering at all. So I didn't take it that way. I took it as more of they're continuing to illustrate how routine 
this type of hearing in this situation is for everybody else in the courtroom. Sure. Because the judge is, like sees this guy as a regular, doesn't blanch at all with his reaction. The lawyers just keep trying to go on with what they're doing. Nobody, nobody bats an eye. They eventually take him away just because he's becoming disruptive. But like to them, it's just another day in the office. And how little, not how little these things matter, mm-hmm. but just how diluted they've become in scope because it's something they're dealing with day in day out every day. That, and that's fair. I think I would buy that assessment. Uh, but our so the the gentleman in the audience here, uh, who I don't believe has like a, a firm credit, like he doesn't have like a name or anything. But uh, I I wrote him down as mumbling guy. Uh, but uh, he is played by actor Sam Witwer, who is uh, appears in stuff like The Mist. Uh, and is best known for his work in the Star Wars universe. Uh, he's in the game Star Wars: The Force Unleashed. Uh, he oh yeah, that's is, right. Okay. Uh, he's in the uh, animated one of multiple Star Wars animated series that I refuse to watch, despite Jake's insistence. Uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars, uh, and the movie Solo, uh, the Star Wars movie where he plays Darth Maul. So, uh, it seems like Darth Maul is kind of his thing in uh, the Clone Wars verse. Uh, he's your he's your mall guy. Yeah, he's your yeah replacement for the guy who's kind of a piece of shit. But yeah, yeah, that guy. Uh, continuing our journey around. Oh, hey, it's that guy. Land our judge here in the courtroom is played by actress Netsuke Ohama, uh, and she is uh, appears in stuff like Flatliners, Bad Santa, and what I recognized her from. She's one of the passengers on the bus in Speed, uh, bringing our total. Bringing our total to, like, I think three different passengers from that bus that have appeared in an episode at one point or another. Can we watch uh, Speed as an ER movie? Then? I was going to say, at what point does it count? <laughs> I love that movie so much. Like I that, love that movie, That too. movie is, like, nigh on perfection. Like, I just love it so, so much. Uh, it's okay and to have opinions. Rounding. We've established by now I that, know. like, your opinions are just all over the place when it comes they to sure movies. They sure are. Uh, rounding out our Oh Hey It's That Guy journey, uh, The Bailiff is played by actor Mike Panuski, uh, which is just a fun name to say. Uh, and he appears in stuff like Hightown, Madam Secretary, and The Good Fight. Uh, I recognized him from a one-episode, very minor appearance on The Sopranos. Uh, just wanted to, like, flex on that one if I could. Uh, he is our high-water mark actor for the episode. 178 credits to his name, putting everybody else to shame. We then go from there to our next uh, set of patients. A man is being brought in playing dead. Uh, he's in a possum costume. Uh, his name is Opossum. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, another man coming in right behind him in a kangaroo suit. Uh, and there are just, like, certain aspects of certain episodes as we get closer to the end of the season where it does feel like everyone did their homework the night before it was due like it does sort of feel like some of these writers were just like oh shit i did i'm i'm four minutes short on this episode i need to write something stupid and someone just heard of furries for the first time and decided just to go with it yeah this Uh, yeah i have thoughts about that later yep Yep. Yeah. So, somebody, yeah, somebody did watch a, a Dateline piece on furries or something. Like, clearly, somebody uh, just got introduced to that concept. Uh, Malucci, is, Malucci is getting his eyes flushed, uh, and uh, Carter then gives him a white coat to wear, and Chen laughs at him. And I love the energy from Chen, laughing at uh, Malucci and his ridiculous look here. 
we then uh, we we don't get too much time to dwell on that though because uh, Noni uh, Carter's pregnant woman we find out is bleeding out in the bathroom and so Carter has to go run off and deal with that. Let's uh, go back and listen in on the hearing. You're uh, divorced, Mrs. Lockhart. Objection, irrelevant. Uh, goes to living arrangements, Your Honor. I'll allow it. Yes. And when was your divorce finalized? Last summer. Have you been dating anyone? Your Honor. Get to the point, Mr. Nesmith. Your mother can be eccentric, maybe a little embarrassing at times. She suffers from a debilitating mood disorder. Having her live with you while trying to date would be a major inconvenience, wouldn't it? I, I've, I've tried having her live with me before several times. It doesn't work. Doesn't work? No, she stops taking her medication, she loses control, and she disappears. Does she look out of control to you? Now. So sometimes she does take her medication. She's only been taking them for a week. But as long as she's med compliant, she's not a danger she to herself stay. or she anyone else. She doesn't stay med compliant. That wasn't my question. Have you known your mother to be a danger to herself while med compliant? No, not usually. And you think that locking her up in a psychiatric facility would be better for her than living with you? I can't take care of her. Can't? Or won't. She tried to kill herself when she was with me. Non-responsive, Your Honor. Please, just answer the questions, Miss Lockhart. Well, tell him to ask them. Miss Lockhart. You okay? Yes. Would you like some water? No, thank you. I love, tell her to, or tell him to start asking them. The, like. The, these courtroom scenes, you know, this this is giving me flashbacks to the, the deposition episode with, uh, with Lizzie. Like, these... All these courtroom scenes are just proof to me that I'd better not get into any legal uh, jeopardy on either side, whether I'm the, you know, because I just, I wouldn't handle it well because they just needle yeah. you to death. And I'm such an over explainer, like even to my closest yeah. friends. Same. There's no way I would be able to sit up there and go, yes. Yeah. No. Like very few yes. times have I ever been more nervous in my life than when I was talking with a judge in a courtroom when i got my name changed mm. like and i was answering simple questions like no i'm not trying to hide from anyone i'm not trying to hide from an arrest warrant no all i had to say was no and i was like no <laughs> <laughs> least convincing yeah hey granted me the name change that's all that's important yay uh but yeah just would not be able to but this is how you know we will never be severely break the law because we would not stand up to a trial <laughs> among other things among other things but we wouldn't survive the trial uh but then anything to not talk about this next part uh. um we find out that noni unfortunately had an incomplete miscarriage her boyfriend comes in and she needs a dnc to stop the bleeding and get her stable Blah. which i did not even look up what that was abbreviated for because uh, th today's the day where i learned it's dnc i always assumed it was dnc like you know but i think that's like the democratic that's, national yeah that's something that's something entirely different uh but uh, oh oh god nope I googled. Yep, mm. it's an it's a. <laughs> Lauren did a risky Google. Yeah, uh, it's 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 an abortion. Yeah, 
it is for the most part uh don't know what it means but i know what it does uh the again anything to not talk about this uh the boyfriend here uh he is played by actor henry lubati which is again fun name to say uh and he appears in stuff like true blood 24 and big mamas like father like son arguably the peak of the big mama's house franchise uh i franchise i didn't even know there was more than one one. yeah Yeah, there definitely is that's hey mike epps has got to work sometime isn't that a murphy too uh big no that's um no, he's not Big Mama's house. Big Mama's house was Martin Lawrence. What was uh, yeah. what was Eddie Murphy's? Ah, okay, yes. Uh, oh my God, Nutty Professor. Well, yeah, it was Nutty. Yes. Pro- Nutty Professor was where he was like the clumps. Yes, yeah, the, the clumps. Yeah, that's the other one I was thinking of. But he did do one around this time where it was uh of a similar type of thing, but I can't think of the name of it. I keep wanting to say Dilbert, but that's not right. That's the comic. I I don't know, but yeah. Anyway. Moving on, uh, Carrie's working with the kangaroo man, and yes, as we previously stated, they are furries. And of course, Yosh no- Yosh Yosh knows what they are. We love Yosh. He's just like, yeah, okay. He's cool. a cu- he's a man of culture. Yep. <laughs> he's on the internet. Yes. And <laughs> oh, yeah, and the guy and the guy is the guy Carrie's talking to. He said one minute he was scratching me, grooming. He, he was grooming me, and the next he has his hand in my pouch so i decked him i'm not into the weird stuff i'm just okay i'm just hold on one second i'm just imagining an alternate reality where getty watanabe gets to be the ice tea character of the er universe where he gets to go like you mean to tell me that there's (laughs) like he just expositionally explains all of the like weird internet stuff (laughs) so i i just want to say this i do love the way They explain this, that there are degrees of any internet, like internet subculture. There's going to be degrees of how far people go with it. Sure. I think, I think, yeah, it's silly, but it's also, it's a very important thing to remember when discussing stuff like this. Not not painting with a broad brush. Yeah, especially for stuff like this. But, uh, there, there is a visceral part of me, like, you want to talk about watching TV shows you shouldn't have been watching too young? At, like, eight or nine years old, I was watching, I believe it was a CSI Las Vegas episode that they covered furries on because they found a dude in in his suit, and then it was, like, a whole thing about it, and it was, like, I, I was nine years old, and I learned about furries from, they had a giant furry orgy that went terribly wrong. This explains so much about you. I don't know what you mean by that, and I don't even need to know. <laughs> don't but show your work. Just, but it was just like, so watching this part, it was such a visceral thing of why in the early 2000s? Yeah, were, that's my were thing. we all so, like, now we're just like, yeah, furries, okay, whatever. But, like, why in the early 2000s were furries the thing that was latched onto for, like, dramas? Or, like, here's this weird thing we're going to explain to everybody. Of, Lizzie, go ahead. I believe it's because the internet is rising in popularity. Mm-hmm. Message boards are rising in popularity. So more people are being exposed to things like, like furries mm-hmm. who are more easily able to organize thanks to the internet. I imagine that's kind of a you don't really just approach someone on the street and be like hey are you a furry are you a furry yeah that's not really coming up you know organically in conversation uh, yeah it's... so subcultures like this are much more prevalent on the internet yeah right I I am not but I say hey do you as long as you're not hurting yeah, anybody whatever yeah uh, of all the things I ever expected ER to be ahead of the curve on furries was not on the list like for... having <laughs> they do a good job like 
running the gamut on this, but having a somewhat sympathetic right somewhat restrained take on it because there's a there's another version of this episode particularly i'm gonna just say it particularly particularly written by r scott gemmel let's not forget this is the same guy that wrote mars attacks earlier this season where he went look at these look at these freaks at the sci-fi convention like that was his whole bit in that episode so like this could have easily been an episode where they just pointed at furries and were like look at these weirdos and they don't they do but they don't they do but they don't yeah like i feel like they pull as much of a punch as you can in 2001 mainstream television writing. Yeah, they they kind of punch sideways on it. Yeah, like it's I don't feel like they unfairly target these guys, but I don't like, and I don't feel like they like dance around it either. Like I feel like they it's they're there, but and they're they're going to like acknowledge it, but they're not going to be an, weird about it. Another thing that I think this does that I was realizing as we were watching the episode as this man is explaining it to Carrie throughout the episode, she's, as part of a secret, marginalized group, looking at this and looking at, through, looking at it through the scope of her queer identity that she's figuring it out. Are you, are you saying there's layers to the furry storyline? I am. I'm there's saying There's subtext to the furry storyline. <laughs> it all rhymes. Somewhere George Lucas just got an erection and he cannot explain why. Okay, but I'm just saying, people might not have caught it, and I think there's a little bit of subtext going on. I'm, and I'm all, I'm here for it. Anything to distract it from the fact of what happens to the cat puppet later in the episode. I don't want to talk about the um, cat puppet later. <laughs> anyway, let's go back to the hearing. Yeah. Let's not. Uh, we, we, let's talk about furries more. <laughs> I know, right? Like, I've never been so happy to see a courtroom. Uh, Maggie is talking about how the medications make her feel. Uh, she does it, uh, admit, admit that she did overdose during her last depressive episode, but says that she never meant to kill herself. Uh, and who in their right mind wants to drive from Oklahoma to Chicago, which honestly, mood. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I was like, she's, she's not wrong there. Yeah, <laughs> The depressed woman has a point. Uh, says that she gets car sick, which uh, as a the spouse of someone who does get violently car sick, if I could just medicate her and let her just be in the car, not making me stop every 10 minutes so she can puke, uh, I'm, I'm good. Like, I don't want her to take 36 of whatever she's going to take, but take something that'll settle your stomach, hon. Dramamine or something. Yeah. Whatever. I think that's what helps. I think that's, that's, I know that's what helps with... Uh, Oh, there's there's a variety of ones. Let me tell you, there's a whole uh, whole subcategory we could get into. Uh, but uh, she says that she didn't realize they wouldn't work right away and just hopes that she could sleep. So she just kept taking more. Uh, and Abby, of course, is calling bullshit on this, like from the uh, gallery area. Like she keeps interrupting. <laughs> and the judge is like, chill out. Like the judge is like, shut the fuck up. Uh, so, yeah, it's not not going great. Uh, we then go back to the ER where Carter is in the middle of telling Nani's boyfriend what happened and about her clotting issues. Uh, let's take this storyline and make it worse. Why don't we, uh, asks if she has any drug history or history of heavy drinking. Uh, and the boyfriend's like, well, she might've taken some herbal stuff uh, without her knowledge. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I just threw some stuff. I just stuff. poisoned her. It's fine. I just po- a little light poisoning in her tea. You know, to induce a miscarriage specifically, just but it's just like it's light. a light felony. That's fine, right? As a treat, right? Because yeah. <sighs> he was freaked out and he didn't want a kid. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> Daniel, I'm sorry, but I have to say this: I hate men. I love you, but I hate men. <laughs> no, honestly, I get that. 
I get that entirely. Like I'm, I'm men and I hate men sometimes. Attaboy. I used to be one and I hate them. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> anyway, uh, Carrie's working with Taffeta, the woman who makes Malucci. Uh, turns out she has a sizable tumor on her ovary, and that's what's uh, not allowing her to poop. Uh, I love that I put blocking her bowels <laughs> in the notes. I put I put giant tumor blocking her bowels, and Lizzie goes sizable Lizzie, tumor. Lizzie, she can't shit. Lizzie is nothing if not a vessel for the people. Like Lizzie, yeah. Lizzie's oh. gonna bring the messaging to the people in plain English in terms that they can understand. Yeah. Also, she's gotta make the poop. She can't Lizzie make the poop. Entertain. Also, I'm five, and the word poop just makes me laugh. <laughs> poop. There's some good audio for you. <laughs> Tell us more about Any, Taffeta. Uh, Taffeta had, she used to have a children's show, uh, Princess Taffeta, and Carrie used to watch it when she was little. That's where she recognizes her from. So, But they'll need to admit her to get her to see a gynecologist, see what they can do about this, and she has no family to call, and love the nihilistic line, everybody dies alone, right? Ah. <sighs> A nice bright sunshiny episode to keep us all going. This, is, this was a this was a great one to watch in the middle of COVID. I was gonna say, um, yeah. I want to tell you guys, I got tired typing this week. <laughs> like this was fucking dumb. Get your fucking vaccinations, dumbasses. Um, but then we see Abby is outside the courtroom having a smoke, and Luca steps out to talk to her, tries to give her a sandwich. Uh, I noted there's a good view of the Harold Washington Library from there. It's a really pretty building. I just really like it. Maggie is asking to talk to Abby, and Luca says she needs your help even if she doesn't want it. All right, let's go to our next audio clip here. Uh, Abby and Maggie are outside the courthouse. thought you should eat something. Thank you. You lied. I can't be committed. Well, you need help, Mom, and I obviously don't know how to help you. I understand. I don't want to be a burden to you, Abby. I, I swear that's the truth. But I can't be committed. So what, you're just going to go out and do this to yourself all over again? You're just going to roll through the whole cycle? No. What? What? What, what are you going to do differently this time? I don't know. I don't want to make any pro- I don't want to break any more promises to you. Abby, I've put you through so much. If you already. believe that, you would seek treatment. I will. I just can't, can't be committed. Right. Well. Well. Just forgive me if I don't trust your judgment. I would have found a way to try, Abby. It's not your fault. Nothing I do is your fault. Mm-hmm. If you slow it, if you slow it down, if you slow it down, you can pinpoint the exact moment at which uh, Lauren's heart rips in half. It's that last line. <laughs> that's it's like it's like ten episodes ago, but yeah, yeah, it's all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it. Um, especially the I would have found a way. Mm. 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 This whole episode, there are several moments that are very close to conversations I actually had with my dad. And 
<clears throat> it was not the episode I needed while I was sick this week, gang. Aye. No. But they, again, they do it so well. Like, the night and day between her being medicated and her not being medicated and how clearly she sees all of it mm-hmm. while she is on meds. Like, the giant picture. It's just... Yeah. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. And what a, like, excellent to, like portrayal once again by sally field too of portraying mm-hmm. all these different sides of the same character mm-hmm. like all these different you know uh, i guess moods is the the right the, the most correct word to, to phrase it like it's like it's not it's yeah. almost like different personalities like it's almost like different people facets facets yeah just it's it is a really like it's a really in-depth portrayal by her and it's you know it's another reason why she's so good like it's like I don't know that you could get a. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm torn. Like, is it is it that Abby is, or is it that Maggie is such a, a, a well written character that also happens to be portrayed by a really really talented actress, or could you also get a similarly talented actress and get the same kind of like feel from Maggie? I think, um, while she, while she's written, I'll say adequately for lack of a mm-hmm. Maggie's well written fine but I think any other actress there could have been a risk of it being coming across too hammy mm-hmm. like there's some sincerity and soul that Sally Field brings to the character that I feel like it would be really at risk of missing from anybody else yeah 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 M- M- uh, Sally Field has always done a really good like a, the, the the role that I always think of when I think of this is like Mrs. Doubtfire like she has always mm-hmm. portrayed that just barely holding on to the last shred of sanity and decorum that she's got left in her. She has always been really good at that. And like, that's obviously not what we're getting in this episode, but it is definitely a facet of the Maggie character. I remember loving Miss, Mrs. Outfire so much as a child. And like on from the side of my dad was the good guy. My mom was the bad sure. guy. So of course I loved seeing him fight for his kids that way. I want to watch it now at 30 years old, having realized just what my mom was actually going through Mm. and see how much of a horror movie that movie becomes. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my God. Also, Pierce Brosnan, just yum. (laughs) Just just little, little sprinkle of excellence on that cake. Uh, Should we go on? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Carrie is working on the kangaroo guy, just chatting learning more about being a furry and he explains how he started being a furry um he needed to fill in for somebody for like a mascot outfit or something and he realized how much more confident and you know appreciated he felt in the suit compared to how he ever felt just being himself and just like he just said you know i just i just feel more me when i'm in it just very very normal and just fine and then but then he goes on to say i'm not a plushie or a fervert and then carrie's carrie's like uh what someone out there tell me if those are real terms or not like yeah i'm not about to do a second uh, (laughs) google tonight somebody somebody you can write us anonymously on discord we won't say it was you but if anybody wants to reach out and tell us 
just give us a little bit of an education. We will not like, judge. I, just make just a burner account. We'll let you yeah. in. You can say your piece. They'll kick you out. <laughs> I just, yep. I, I, like, I have to, I feel like that could go either way. I feel like they could either be going really authentic with the dialogue here, or I feel like it could have been this, this one writer shit posting in a room where he's like, I'm going to make up funny terms for for furries okay but i will say if it is made up fervert is in g it is really good to come up with on like short notice uh and i would also like to you know as much as i earlier was like you know kind of saying that r scott gimmel has a, a tendency to go for the the cheap jokes sometimes i will admire the man's restraint to not make this a malucci storyline in this uh episode yeah this could have very easily just been malucci smirking the whole time while he's trying to hold it together and be professional in a room with a couple of furries so like Kudos to him for making this a carry thing and not a Malucci thing. An uh, alternative lifestyle journey. Yeah, like Carrie. again, they could have been. A, th- this could be so much worse. Uh, speaking of Malucci, him and uh, Cleo are working with a young girl that has been brought into the trauma room. She has huge marks across her back, uh, and uh, yeah. in in what is quite possibly the greatest stretch of plausible deniability to this point or, or uh, what is it suspension of disbelief uh, to one of the, the larger stretches of suspension of disbelief to this point in the show that Malucci just instantly fucking knows this ancient uh, folk cure and like well remember where he went to med school in Bermuda like I don't think there's a so lot of like in- ancient Chinese secrets happening in Bermuda it's- it might be likely something like that might be likely to come up like 0.1 percent more than sure I, I i guess so. maybe but like and by the way before you come for me in the comments i know it's granada and not uh fucking bermuda i'm sorry i got the the small island country wrong uh but like i just like when i was watching this i was like come on like there's no way that like he just immediately knows what this is like this was total like house horse shit where it was just like oh yeah he knows right away um hey malucci's the dude who has the weird experience yeah i i was fine with him having this obscure stuff because it's like he fucks up on normal stuff all the time i think it works with his character maybe he's got these weird obscure shit once he happens to know uh, i don't know but in any event, he says that uh, wintergreen oil could have caused issues and he's going to be getting a blood gas uh, level uh, while Le- Cleo goes off to uh, call CFS. And our patient here is yet another, oh, hey, it's that person. Uh, this episode, a very tiny, oh, hey, it's that person. No. Uh, the patient here, Linda, who we really don't get to hear from here. We, we, won't, we won't really hear from her until much closer to the end of the episode. But she is played by actress Brenda Song, no. making one of her first on-screen appearances in anything. She's a much, big, I, much bigger oh, name shit, now. Right. I didn't even catch it. She has uh, been in stuff like Dollface, The Social Network, and Secret Obsession. and is The Social Network is where I am. Yeah. Social Network is where I first kind of took notice of her. She also had a brief thing on New Girl for a little bit. Uh, Dollface, I think, is the series that she has. Like, that's her series uh, where, like, she's the star of. She was also in a bunch of Disney Channel stuff. And she's also in a relationship with Macaulay Culkin and has been since 2017. That's awesome. Good for them. Today I learned. Uh, So, yeah. The more you know. Uh, And they have a child together. uh, (laughs) The hits just keep on coming. Weird, weird Macaulay Culkin thing. When I was at South by Southwest for my senior year of school, I got to see his uh, his Velvet Underground cover band called the Pizza Underground. The more you know, carry okay. on. Wow. Uh, Lauren at South by Southwest is quite possibly one of the like... back <laughs> just... back when I drank and knew how to have fun. I was wi- I was white girl wine wasted front row at a uh, Foxborough hot tub show. Uh, 
South by Southwest. It was great. Okay. All right. There's pictures. There's a lounge episode. Uh, so <laughs> we then go from there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why do I have to veer into these things? We go from there back to Carter talking with Noni. Uh, Nani, did we ever figure out how to pronounce your name? Can you no, tell I don't want to talk about the substance of this storyline? I'll talk uh, about it. He uh, tells her that uh, about what her boyfriend did and that if she asks if she wants to file criminal charges against him. Uh, so let's go to happier things like back to the hearing uh the attorney's reading the drug label to maggie and says she says she couldn't read the label because she didn't have her glasses and asked matt and asked why maggie didn't have abby just buy the pack of pills instead of stealing them her her doing the thing on the stand of like oh can you read it for like i can't without my glasses like that has such big oj not wanting to put on the glove energy like of just like like I heard I once heard somebody describe it as OJ put on that glove the way that dudes uh try to put on condoms like where it, it, I knew you were I <laughs> knew where you were going where it's just like they start tugging start. on it and then they're like up oh, uh, can't fit. sorry you know like and it was just, <laughs> Maggie here with the eyeglasses is the same shit like it's the exact same energy uh we're not we're not going back into that conversation again we already did that one once anyway bananas uh so let's uh, so she took uh turns out maggie took pills in 1974 during one of her other attempts and why what are you giving me the weird look for just bananas it's not what you put condoms over it's not what i was excellent practical demonstration uh you know sorry lizzie go go again uh she took pills yeah i I said what i said (laughs) okay (laughs) So we learned that she's had a history of this before. Yeah. yeah. But I want to point out, this contradicts what they said earlier in the episode where they said that she OD'd in her last depressive episode. That is true because... They, they mentioned uh, the suicide attempt in between with carbon monoxide. Well, but they... I suppose it could have been... Oh, well, no, I guess you're right. Because they... Yeah. I mean, I guess it technically could have been an accidental overdose uh, in oh. there that wasn't an, an official attempt, but... Just saying. Just saying gotta be pedantic uh but then malucci asks the girl's grandma if she coined her um but needs a translator because the grandma only speaks chinese uh cantonese mm-hmm. specifically and carl's buddies from the home show up he did have a heart attack after all while this is going on cleo sees benton and reese and greets them with a smile it's a very cute moment and says that you know she'll She'll take Reese home if Benton needs to stay around. And I very cute. feel like in this moment, there is more character growth and more character like depth to Cleo than there has been mm-hmm. in like months. Like this yeah. one little like 15 second interaction with Reese she's, where she just lights up the second she walks into the room. She loves him. It's the Reese. And like does yeah. the and little. He makes, does, he makes everything else around signs him. Shine. Yeah, him she signs and, at him and she does the whole thing like. Oh my God! Like, and he loves her, right? Ah. But then, um, one of the horny guys <laughs> overhears Malucci and the grandma's conversation, so he comes by to help because he speaks Cantonese since he was a translator in the army back in the day. So he helps him out, and it turns out the girl's tests were all normal. She's resisting um, compazine, not like she's not taking it, but it's not doing anything and still puking. The grandma said the girl was possessed with sinful behavior. S E X. That's what the dude. That's it is. That is how he says it. But it's just—it's just funny how he. You know, I just—I like it. It's very cute. Yeah. 
Alright, so uh, Faye, Tabitha is leaving, uh, Carrie chases her down, tells her she can't leave, and asks her if she'll at least speak to a psychiatrist, just a social worker, just to get some help. Mm-hmm. Uh, Faye offers her, uh, Carrie Mr. Mr. Whiskers, so he'll be with someone who appreciates him once she's dead. And one more, once more, she says every day comes with its own surprises. Oh, Mr. Whiskers. Yeah, I really uh, kind of like spoilers for later in the episode, which it's, I know it's the thing we don't want to talk about. I really hate how they kind of take a dump on this uh, with mm-hmm, yeah. by making it the punchline of another story yeah. later on. I fucking hate like, it. Like, because yeah, this is actually absolutely. really sweet and like really poignant and it adds another little like little something extra to Carrie's backstory and stuff. And just like, I, I liked this and then they're just going to like shit on it before the end of the episode. 150%. (sighs) (laughs) You highlighted these yourself. Every day comes with its own (laughs) surprises, Daniel. Uh, so yeah, we go back to the hearing. The judge says it's time to stop hearing testimonies. Basic. I love how basically the judge's attitude towards this is just like, I'm bored. I don't want to play this anymore. Like, I don't want to play. Yeah. I'd rather play something else. Uh, just declares Maggie free to go. And Abby is rightfully pissed. And, uh, with quite possibly what is, let's preface by saying horrific, but having the wherewithal to say something like this in the heat of the moment is just like equal parts horrific and like, damn girl, like you just really know how to twist that knife because as she's being led out of the uh, ER by Luca, uh, t- turns around and says to the courtroom at large, maybe next time you'll do it right and it'll be the coroner's problem. Jesus Christ, Jesus. Maggie, Abby, all, I can't even, Abby. I can't even, this is Abby. This is just all of you, all of you. All of you need Abigail Jesus. Lockhart. Holy shit. I mean, like I said, horrific thing to say, but damn, like, you know how to, like, capitalize on a moment there, Abby. Uh, we go back to the ER. The young girl is totally fine based off Benton's evaluation. Uh, Carrie is uh, walking back to the admin desk and sets Mr. Whiskers down where Malucci uh, perks up to it and asks her where she got it, which is... Another great little wrinkle and like this weird little connection point that we could have drawn between uh, Carrie and Malucci. I I love how he's like you could sell so much on eBay. Right, I think that's got to be the first mention of anything yeah. like eBay. Like where that's the maybe the second the monoculture certainly not the the, the monoculture though. creeping in. Um, mm-hmm. The chaplain is there. It's the very same chaplain we've been dealing with all along. Mm-hmm. The one who will uh, also be at Mark's funeral uh, is there to bless the sick girl uh, to help help her deal with the guilt. Uh, she's now uh, awake, starving, and done puking. All right, let's uh, go to our next audio clip here. Abby's up in the psych ward to bring Maggie some of her things, and Maggie's getting discharged. By signing, you acknowledge that your doctors feel it's in your best interest to remain hospitalized and that you accept and understand by leaving against medical advice, you risk a deterioration of your psychiatric symptoms. What about my my meds? Can I have a prescription? I will give you three days' worth. I want to see you Monday. If you're doing well, then I'll give you a week's worth. Okay. Okay, what? What does that mean? Could I, could I call you? Sure. Right. You can call me anytime. You can call me just to talk. Okay. Brought some stuff from that motel room and some stuff you left in my apartment. Thank you. Figure out where you're going. 
Yeah, um, Dr. Legaspi gave me the name of a shelter. I'm, I'm gonna go there for a few days. Good luck, Maggie. See you next time. Next time? Yeah, whenever it is, wherever it is. Maybe there won't be a next time. You're gonna walk out of here on your own one week after swallowing a pharmacy as close to death as I see people get, and you think there's not gonna be a next time. Not. I, I don't know. I, I promised myself I wouldn't make any promises. You know, when I saw you seizing on that table, I thought, this is it. This is it. This is how it's all going to end. I am going to watch my mother die. And I still might not be wrong about that. It could still end that way. And there's not one thing I can do about it. But I'll show up because you will always have that power over me. I will show up, and I will try to stop it. I love you, Mom. We can take a moment. No, it's okay. It's real. <laughs> the listeners can know. I don't mind crying on, on Mike. Lord knows we did it the first season on that one episode yeah. where you and I just fell apart. Yep, that happens. So... I, I just have to say I'm amazed. I have not cried on Mike for any of the Abby and Maggie stuff so far. Oh, it's okay. I didn't end, expect this one to be the one that got me. And the end of the uh, next season is just going to be... You're just going to hear me <laughs> sobbing as like 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 background music. <laughs> <laughs> But oh. yeah, holy shit! Mm. Just like I thought, I, I really thought that uh, it was. I, I forget. I, f- please forgive me, whoever said it. I, I feel like it was during our thing with John Levy. Like somebody said it in the comment section that they somehow always managed to really. Obviously, Sally Field's a little bit more of a layup than some of the other uh, characters, but like they always seem to really nail parental casting in this show. Mm-hmm. Like Doug's parents were very well like. Uh, casted to match his both his physical appearance and his personality. We already know that like Mark's parents was like a ten out of ten. Like even going as far back as to say like Susan's parents back in season season yeah. one or two or whatever that was. Like you know like they they always seem to find these really perfect pairings, and I think none better illustrated than Maura Tierney and Sally Field. Like, Maura Tierney and Sally Field is a match made in fucking TV drama heaven in terms of a mother-daughter relationship. Everything about their entire relationship up to this exact moment is is living within that two minutes and is so believable. Like, it's, you're, you're just captivated watching them and you believe every second of everything that each one of them is feeling. I, th- I think what got me on this one is it's so easy for me to envision... Um, a version of my life where this would have been me and my dad if he hadn't um, Mm -hmm. gotten sick with Alzheimer's and we hadn't, you know, kind of, for lack of a better term, been forced to reconcile by the fact that, you know, he was at least safe and taken care of now. So there could be some of that healing. But if he had continued to, you know, grow an age, not just with the bipolar disorder, but 
absent of the Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. this could have easily been my sister and I dealing with my dad. Right. So I think that's why it just punched me so hard today is just sometimes the reality of what that trajectory was is just mm-hmm. bonkers. Yeah, I know they've they've all been like dense watches for you and like this because like I'm pretty sure anyway, I don't know. I'm, I'm talking completely out of my ass here, but just just based <laughs> on the fact that we have two episodes left in the season, I'm pretty sure this is where we're leaving Maggie for now until the next time we deal with this stuff and and you know maggie's brother which is i mean abby's brother which is a whole other well and that's at least i i can't explain why that's almost a little easier Mm -hmm. but um i think this is the last of the really hard yeah so like now that we're kind of like coming out the other side of it for now um Mm -hmm. would you say that like on the whole it has been you know uh, therapeutic in any way or uh, yeah, or has it just been a repeated dick punch with no like no redeeming quality whatsoever um i'm thinking of the little uh gif of the girl going why not both <laughs> um and I'll, I'll get into this way more in our season seven recap remind me to talk about it more there but um on the whole i think it's been really cathartic it's been really hard to do the show well mm-hmm and watch these at the same time like i think it's one thing if i had just been watching the season for myself i could have had a couple real good ugly cries and felt amazing afterward i think having not having to look at it but looking at it with the critical analytical lens that we tend to approach the show it kind of was a little bit more tiring to do just because it's like okay i have to be present in this be aware of what's happening, be ready for these kinds of discussions, and also have all the feelings at the same time yeah. and take notes. Right. And it's just like, I was telling, I think I was telling Lizzie earlier, I said, I'm so ready for season eight. I don't give a shit that Mark dies. Oh, this it's... was this was my hard season. I can do season eight, no problem in comparison. <laughs> Lizzie's going to be the one really struggling next season. I have no soul. Uh, I don't think I'm going to cry on On the Beach. Yeah. I think this was my, I think, yeah, I know. Uh, To be fair, we just went through my entire childhood (laughs) in a compressed, like, four episodes. Daniel's going to cry during Orion in the Sky and the letter. Yeah, yeah, no, I've been thinking about that a lot. Like, I don't, like, I'm sure there will be certain moments of it that will, like, kind of get me in a certain way. But, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I've always maintained, I feel like they milk it. So, like, by the time, by the time it's time for him to go for for good, I'm sort of just like, let's Mm -hmm. get this show on the road. Like, you know. Yeah, I would have. I would have almost preferred, and again, I'm, I'm going to say it now, but I'm, I want to try and remember to discuss this on the season recap. Um, I would have almost preferred, Lizzie, plug your ears. I would have almost preferred they killed Mark this season and just got it over with. And then next season they did Abby and Maggie mm. instead of drawing the Mark thing out longer the way they did. That's just nitpicking here and there in the moment. We'll see how we feel about that at the end of season eight. But anyway, to answer your question, therapeutic, yes exhausting yes i'm so glad we have such wonderful and empathetic listeners because all season long i have been getting some very heartfelt messages from our listeners and i really appreciate it moving on with what's it's okay to be wrong and uh, yeah i know whatever uh moving on with the episode though because we're so close uh god jesus christ talk about fucking tonal shifts you have to go out from talking Uh, about your uh your emotional damage into (laughs) 
these scenes. Emotional damage, emotional, whatever that TikTok or whatever song is. Uh, but Victor, piece of shit, is asking how Noni is doing and how long she'll be there. But before he can go in to visit her, which Carter will not let him do, the police take him, pr- presumably into the lounge, to have a word. Yeah. Good. Because you did a murder. You did a murder. And also just a little bit of a felony, too. Yeah. Uh, and then Carrie is looking for Mr. Whiskers because she had set him down. And in the background, we see Super Larry uh... is back. So he's still doing great. Uh, and she opens the door to Possum Guy's room and finds them in a compromising position. And what makes it even worse is he holds the puppet up and meows with it. Like, and that ruins this, my life. This, like, why? this is so unnecessary. And so this feels like, you know, the, the I think I sent it actually in our group chat earlier tonight of like the, the, the Michael Scott thing where he's been told not to say that's what she said. And he's holding his breath so hard because the boss is in the room and then he finally just can't help himself. And so he blurts it out. That's what this feels like. This feels like that somebody told the, the writer of this episode, you can't make fun of the furries. You can't make the furries the butt of the joke. You can't do anything that is like pointing at the furries and laughing at the furries. You can't do any of that. You gotta, we're going to be adults about this. And then it's like at the last five minutes of the episode, he just like blurts this out and is just like, wow, what if he jacks off into the puppet? Like, it's just like he just has no restriction on his like immaturity here where it's just like it, it ruins the carry thing. It undermines the the uh kind of maturity of the way they had handled the furry storyline up to this point so like Mm. it's just pointless it's a pointless sight gag for the sake of it if you think about it even more which i'm sorry we have to but this means he snuck out of his room saw that cat puppet took it fucking back to his room and thought oh this isn't a child's or anything i'm just gonna deface this little ratty puppet like no, no. one saw the and guy again, dressed as a possum going out to the admit desk to get the fucking well, and especially when you consider like like we talked about there was a little bit of subtext with the with the carry furry thing and that would have been great if they had just left it alone and i almost thought of it like and before this joke happened, I almost thought it was the two carry storylines coming together and she looked at it and she thought about what the um what the kangaroo had said and she's like oh i get it like i get how something Mm -hmm. like this could mean something to someone and then they ruined it then they had to go make it weird instead of just let it be a thoughtful thing i cannot they had to go no stop i cannot believe that of all the episodes that we up to up until today because you know spoilers for the listening audience at home jake did finally watch freefall um (laughs) up until today of all the episodes that we've had jake watch the horse episode was the one he took the most issue with, and not the furries jack off into a puppet episode. Yeah, this he's was seen this, this was not the episode that he was like, "Hold on, record scratch, Brip. Like the the show has gone off the rails. This was he he took no issue with this episode whatsoever. I just I just want to point that out. Horse episode like three seasons ago that took him out. That was like, I'm sorry, I can my my suspension of disbelief has been tested beyond its limits. But furries jacking off into a puppet. Totally on board. Just want to put that out there. Nobody clip that out. All right, and let's go to our last audio clip here. I just pulled this just because we haven't had really good Benton stuff in a while. I just thought it's nice to see him shooting the shit with his his science teacher who's going to be okay. Just a little Benton as a treat. 
Hey, whatever happened to Mrs. Lindstrom? Retired. She was mean. <laughs> that woman was born mean. <laughs> Even the other teachers were afraid of her. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you thought the same of me with all those detentions I gave you. Hey, your detention steered me towards medicine, so... I had to play a small role in it. I'm proud of you, Peter. Yeah, thanks a lot. And you shouldn't be proud of yourself. I am. Look, don't get me wrong. Sometimes it's hard when people's lives depend on your success and you're not always successful. Sometimes you... Sometimes you get so tired that you start forgetting what's important. And what is that? Two things in this world I'm certain of. My love for my son and my skills as a surgeon. I'm a father. And I'm a doctor. At the end of the day, that's enough for me. What about a teacher? Oh, please, that was number one of my greatest skills. The only skill you need to be a good teacher is to care. That's all. Who knows? Maybe one of your students will wind up saving your ass one day. It's like Benton's grown as a person. <laughs> yeah. If you just needed a summation of where Benton is in his life, boom. There this minute and twenty seconds. I love that I love how much he loves Reese. Mm -hmm. Just warms my heart. Yep, it's an excellent little like sound bite to to score a like good good dad Benton montage. Like uh, well, we start to close up the episode here with Carrie going up to visit the psych ward uh, to visit Kim. Uh, we find out that uh, Shannon Wallace told the truth and uh, all the charges have been dropped against Kim. So let's you, you can practically see everyone in the scene like doing the like hands wiping thing as we uh, wrap that little side story up. Uh, Carrie brought her up some food, which she uh, pretty icily turns down and tells Carrie that she's super busy and then gives her a very uncomfortable ice cold stare. Ugh. It's a whole thing. Do you know how angry you have to be at somebody to turn down free Chinese food? Like, yeah, like I, there, I can maybe count the people on one hand where I would turn down free Chinese food if right? they offered it to me. Right? Like, come on! Like, even if you're people in there's... my life, not like people in the world, but like people that I've known. Sure. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, God, I, I'm, I'm real. Even people out in the world, like, I mean, if Ted Cruz wants to give me free. Uh, Chinese food like I fuck Ted Cruz but I'll take the Chinese food like give me give me the chicken Canadian man um, <laughs> in any event uh, we then go over to uh, what I presume is still Luca living in the hotel room I think uh, I think this is at Abby's yeah house. it's not really clear it's not nearly as purple as the last because time. of what happens and the way she says it I think it's it's, it's not nearly as purple as the last time we saw abby's uh, apartment but uh abby is in the tub and luca is yelling to her from the other room uh she comes out to a uh lovely little uh dining room spread candlelit dinners and all that and uh, asks luca if he's been watching martha stewart again uh and there's a knock at the door and uh she's like oh is that the food and he's like no i've cooked dinner myself like practically is like no i cooked dinner myself bitch like he's like very like matter of fact about it like how dare you how dare you question my croatian cooking skills um but maggie go or uh, abby why do i keep doing that this episode abby goes up to the door and turns out it is maggie and 
we fade to black and uh so this episode could have been a nine nine and a half but it gets dragged down to a seven because <laughs> the, the puppet because of the re- resolution of the furry storyline and because of yeah. the botched miscarriage storyline and just those two are just so bad yeah, i'm really i, I mr i'm trying to remember yeah, those, just so i bad. think it the rest of the episode is fucking excellent. Yeah, though. I think it was Mars Attacks where I said that the episode succeeded in spite of itself. Like, it was an episode that was, like, still ended up being really good despite the fact that it had, like, really juvenile humor and, like, really just, like, it just could not get out of its own way. This episode is one where it's, like, like, this could be better. Like, there's, like, it's it, it, it's the knucklehead kid in the, like, high school english class that you're like you can write when you want to you fucking asshole like you just you you know you know what you're doing but you also just can't help this like juvenile impulse in you that's like (laughs) what if he jerked off in a puppet like just come on like why (laughs) why why did we have to do that like why yeah ignore the little caveman brain uh, voice like just ignore that whole section of your brain yeah, and drop the whole miscarriage storyline. You could even drop the whatchamacallit, the the Chinese folks. Oh sure, uh, yeah, the, the folk cure yeah. yeah, the Cantonese uh Yeah, the folk cure. That's was un- an unnecessary couple minutes of the episode. Yeah, like there's a lot of there there's a really excellent core of this episode. Like there like Benton's stuff is really strong, the Maggie and Abby stuff mm-hmm. is incredibly strong. There's a really excellent core of this episode. Like give me more of uh Carla, which I understand there's probably mitigating circumstances to that because, as I said earlier, Carla is on her way out, and that is largely because of things that are happening in the actress's life. So, like, I understand why they wouldn't want to expand Carla's role in this episode, but, like, give me more of, like, Cleo and Reese. Like, let's dig into that a little bit more. Have Benton come home after a long day and find Cleo and Reese and just be happy and have a lovely conversation with Yeah, but, like, and, like, do do more with Carrie's thing and like, don't make it so fucking juvenile. Like don't undermine it at the end. And, and you know, trust your instincts with the furry storyline. Like they actually were like making a somewhat, this could have been one of those shining examples where we go, God damn ER was 20 years ahead of the curve. Like ER like had an actual like nuanced take on like, uh, you know, subculture. And, then they just fucking ruin it at the end, and it's just, mm, yeah. Because masturbation's fun, right? right? Like, uh-huh, it's just uh-huh. it's, it gets really dragged down by those things, and so like, yeah, you're right. It could have easily been a nine out of ten, and I think seven is probably way more accurate. Absolutely, but and let's pour one out for Mr. Whiskers. Anything else, sad, Lauren? Nope, you guys nailed it. I'm so ready for this season to be done. Two more episodes. Well, what would the listeners have to say about this one? Uh, friend of the show. In a snit, uh, performer, podcaster, host, that's the word I'm looking for, host, Franner W. says, this is not the high drama episode for Sally and Mora, but I think the scenes for her committal revocation and then as she is leaving the psych ward are perfect. You feel the sheer exasperation from Abby, both with her mother and with the system. There is a split second facial expression that Maggie pulls when she hears Abby say, I finally get to watch my mother die or something along those lines that is heartbreaking. They are both masters of their craft and I'd forgotten how much I love to watch them together. And for the no chemistry between Abby and Lucas stands, say what now? Also, 
That poor pussycat did not consent. Justice for Mr. Whiskers. Can we get <laughs> justice for Mr. Whiskers? <laughs> Stickers or shirt? Somebody... Either one. I would... No, I don't want to be reminded of this. No, I would wear the shit out of a justice for Mr. Whiskers shirt because only the people who know, oh know, God. and they will laugh and be horrified. Like, you want to talk about an in-joke for right. ER? Somebody... Justice for Mr. Whiskers. Somebody on the Discord tonight just asked for... Uh, Green, not green, uh, not Green Day like the shit, but Mark Green Day yeah. merchandise like from season one, like with the it's every day's Mark every August whatever is Mark Green Day. So yeah. like we'll we'll put those out at the same time. We'll get Mark Green Day <laughs> merch, and we'll get uh fucking <laughs> justice for Mister Whiskers. I think it would be really fun one month to do like, um. Like, I've seen some of my other favorite podcasts. They do, like, okay, guys, let's see what shirt sells best or oh, whatever. Sure. And they put two out just to see. I think that would be fun just to be like, okay, what weird shit are our people actually loving? But anyway, at Leah 1989 says, the I love you, mom line from Abby after Maggie signs out AMA broke my heart. It felt like the final thing she wanted her mom to hear from her should she never get the chance to say anything to her again. Her tearful resignation makes it seem like it's something she's had to do countless times. You can feel the created history behind the moment. So many parts of their story are some of the most profound moments I recall watching on television. That's a, an excellent point. At least in this episode, I'm not going to like make the proclamation that it's the first time we've ever heard it, but it is definitely the first time in this episode that you hear Abby call Maggie mom. Every mm-hmm. every Absolutely. other time they talk to each other, there is that em- emotional distance from Abby where she insists on calling her mother Maggie and not mom or you know anything other than her name. And so it's a really, really excellent point there. Good catch. Uh, and last but certainly not least, wow, last but... <laughs> Season seven, everybody. Uh, COVID. Uh, last but certainly not least Gen T has written a novel oh, and, the, and this is the annotated see. version I cut out I cut I out roughly half of what she said so like and it was still this long we love you Jen uh, poor Abby the combination of resignation indignation and amusement on her face when Legaspi tells her about the hearing it's just this poor woman has had been put this poor woman has been put through hell by her mother and still loves her and wants to help I cannot say enough about the strength Abby has. Oh, Luca. Ouch. You'd rather Carter go with you? Absolutely valid question, though. Abby, stop pushing this man away. He obviously wants to help. Damn it, you two. Robin Scorpio's shout-out to GH fans storyline in this episode is just, ugh. Why are boys so dumb? Luca turning up at the hearing for Abby is so sweet. I love that she appreciates it in the moment. The pu- this public defender needs his ass kicked. Maggie and Abby's dynamic in these initial courtroom testimonies are just chef's kiss. And Luca's silent reactions? Ugh, perfection. All of it. She knows she needs your help, even if she doesn't want it. Pretty much sums up Aggie, Aggie and Mabby. That's a new one. <laughs> Abby and Maggie's relationship. I'm so done with this week. Luca's more insightful than people give him credit for, including me, who thinks he's an oblivious idiot 80% of the time. The judge releasing Maggie and Abby's outburst is so, is so, so justified that I just cannot understand how anyone doesn't have sympathy for Abby in this moment. And especially when she brings her mom the stuff at the hospital. 
Every last thing Abby says to her mother, including I love you, mom, is pure, profound perfection. Thank you for that alliteration. Maggie might be determined to stay well, but damned if Abby is going to have faith in that, which, gee, is a theme in Abby's life for good reason. Then we get one of my favorite Abby Lucas scenes of the entire series. It's one of the few really homey and sweet scenes we get from them this of them this season, and it's beautiful. It's one of the biggest reasons I shipped them all the way through. Backed by I Will Take Care of You by The Bangles, a sincerely underrated song by a sincerely underrated band. All right, well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each week. And for only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, two-week early access to all of our cast and crew interviews, and over 55 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes. Coming soon. A free, <laughs> free four-monthly bonus show called The Lounge. Movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member. And who's fixed of those? Where Lauren reads us some ER fan fiction. We would also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are at Set the Tone ER on Twitter. We are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Set the Tone Podcast. And we are at Set the Tone Podcast on Instagram. Also, be sure to check out the official Set the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel. Where can folks find you at? They can find me on Instagram at dan.u. That is y-o-u.el. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Folks can find me on my personal Twitter at lowbob92345, screaming about new collectible card games such as Marvel Snap. I can't stop po- playing. And Pokemon should be out by the time this episode and comes out, yes, or at least next, the next, maybe the next day. The new, the new Pokemon Switch games are coming out, and I'm so excited. Even if I'm the only one in our group chat who is, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I uh, you can you can find me complaining about graphics on on my personal Twitter. I am at random gamer. That's J M three R. Hopefully, my voice will be a little bit better next week. But thank you all very much for listening, and uh, and have a great week. Mm-hmm.